As you look around, you can tell a number of people are sick with colds and out, so be in prayer for different ones as you see them missing. 1 Samuel chapter 1, the title of the message in light of Mother's Day is, I have lent him to the Lord. We're just going to read a few verses. Chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah the son of Jerohom, the son of Elohu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoth, and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And the man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. Now just move down to verse 9. So Hannah rose up after they had entered into Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon his seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrow, full of full sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul uh, before the Lord. I'll just look down at verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, as she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because the Lord, because I have asked him, of the Lord. Now, one more verse. Look at verse uh, 27 and 28, two verses. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, once again for the songs as reflect your great nature, your character, who you are. And then, Father, our greatest need, which is you. And so, Father, now as we come to your word, open our eyes, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear. And, Father, draw us closer to yourself through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask this all in his name. Amen. Once again, in light of Mother's Day, I wanted to look at the story of 1 Samuel. Uh, the time frame when you look at 1 Samuel um, is actually a couple books back. It is the time of the judges. Remember what the time of the judges were like? Uh, there was political 
uh, social and religious uncertainties and even chaos, uh, much like today, right? Uh, People, as they would come together, would talk to each other, saying, boy, uh, these are rough times. Uh, Things are sure not going the right direction. But then as the conversation would go on, they'd say, wouldn't it be great if we had a leader, a king, to take control? So they begin to desire for some leader. That's why uh, at the end of the book of Judges, it says that there was no king and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so the book of Judges ended, ends with leaving a desire or an appetite for a godly leader to come upon the scene. Someone that will guide the nation, guide the people uh, in the ways of the Lord. Now it's interesting then when you get to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel doesn't begin necessarily with a great leader on the scene who's already aged, but it begins with a domestic family, a husband and a wife. What you find in these early chapters is you see the dedication of a young lady, a mom, who through her dedication to the Lord will not only change her own family's life, but ultimately will change the nation and ultimately the world. This has been the case throughout history. When you look at mothers, you read Charles Wesley, his biography. In his biography, when asked who was the greatest impact on his life, he will say Suzanne Wesley was the greatest impact. For Suzanne, who was a very strict disciplinarian, who had 12 children, but yet taught her kids how to walk in a way to please the Lord. Uh, You look at Charles Spurgeon. Uh, Charles Spurgeon will say that his mother, Suzanne Wesley, had the greatest impact on their lives. And I just wonder, when little Wesleys, Charles and John Wesley, were born, I wonder if Suzanne looked down in the faces of those little boys and could comprehend what God would someday do with those two little boys, these infants. I wonder if Elizabeth Edwards, when George Whitfield was born, would someday know that her son would be uh, the catalyst for the Great Awakening here in America. So throughout history, uh, moms who have dedicated themselves to the Lord have been used greatly through their children. And so let's look at the story, and I want you to notice, first of all, the situation. We're introduced to a man by the name of Elihu, or Elkanah, and he had two wives. Now, the Bible had never sanctioned two wives. This was just the condition of the time, the setting of the time. The name of the one was Hannah, which was probably the first wife. And the name of the other was Peniah. And Peniah had children, but then we're told this, Hannah had no children. Hannah wasn't able to conceive. And as you read the story and as you read the Bible, you understand that children are a gift from God. But we find here in this story that Hannah is hopeless. 
Uh, she is helpless. She has no one to help her. She can't do anything of herself, especially in this day. And so this brings us really to the first point of the story, her great desire. Every year they would go to the house of uh, the Lord in Shiloh, which was an important place, and it tells you a little bit of their dedication to the Lord, even in the time of the judges that were apostatizing. And she would go with, and I want you to look at her prayer. Look at verse 10. Here's the state she's in. She was in bitterness of soul. Some of you maybe can understand a little bit of that feeling. She was in bitterness of soul, prayed unto the Lord, and wept so. In fact, her, her sorrow was so great um, that it says in verse 10 that, or excuse me, verse, uh, see, verse 10 through 14, that her mouth moved, but she did not speak. And so, so great was her sorrow that she was speaking with her lips, but she couldn't say anything. And it's interesting, what did Eli think when he looked at her, the priest? He comes to her and goes, why are you drunk? I, I always find that interesting as you follow through the story of 1 Samuel. Uh, Eli is probably not the one uh, to be casting stones at her. She says, I'm not drunk, I'm in bitterness of soul. And in her prayer, she says this, verse 11, She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the afflictions of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. In essence, God, my greatest desire is to have a child. And if you give me this child, I will dedicate him as a Nazarite. A Nazarite was one who never cut their hair. Uh, usually there was a time frame uh, for the Nazarite vow, usually a month or two months or maybe a year. But at this dedication, she says, I am going to give him to the Lord. And that's when Eli says, you're drunk. She says, I'm not drunk. Look at verse 15. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. And so here she is, pleading with God, the one, only one, who can give a child. I think when you look at how the Bible illustrates this and teaches on this is that Hannah realized that children were a gift from God. Always considered a blessing. For a number of reasons, especially in Israel, I remember back in Genesis 3.15 there was a promise that a child would be born of a woman who would redeem Israel. And all of the ladies had that hope. But secondly, the children would carry on the legacy of the parents. And so kids were uh, important. Kids were a blessing. Children were a gift from God. A little bit different, a little bit different than maybe the notions of today, uh, where kids are considered a burden. Um, 
You know, so you have the average of 2.2 children. I've, I've never figured that one out. But children are considered a burden. But in the Bible, they're always, always a gift from God. I think this is important to remember, maybe especially for some of you uh, young mothers who are trying to figure out where do you fit into the big scheme of life. Uh, Before you had children, you had everything figured out. Uh, You knew how you were going to raise the children. You knew how they were going to turn out. Uh, You knew exactly how everything was going to go. And so you had everything figured out. Then once you had children, you realized that you have nothing figured out. And sometimes you're pulling your hair out going, I don't know what to do. I think it's important to remember that that little child that you have, given to your care by God, is a gift. And let me just encourage you, that time where you're about ready to pull out your hair, I think it will eventually pass. I don't know. I still have little children. I have all the way from 21. Uh, Sometimes I feel like tearing out my hair with them all the way down uh, to three-year-old. But I think when I look at my children, and you realize how fast they grow up. Uh, one minute they're there, you're holding them in your arms. Uh, the next minute they're going off to college, and you realize what a gift they are from the Lord. And so the great desire that she had was to have a child. And so she gives this prayer. Now, Look at her great delight. After she talks with Eli, Eli promises that a child will come, that her petition has been answered. Now look at verse 19. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And look at this next phrase. And the Lord remembered her. What does that mean, the Lord remembered her? Does it mean that he forgot her for a period of time? Oh, there's Hannah. Forgot about you. Now, anytime this is used in Scripture, it means that God is about to unfold his purposes. So here's Hannah, comes before the Lord in sorrowful heart, prays, and it says that God remembered her, and now his purposes are going to be unfold. And so Hannah, verse 20, Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Uh, Samuel, the name of Samuel means the name of God. And it is a reference to the power of God with whom she prayed. God gave life, God gave a child, and so to remember that, she calls his name Samuel. And so here comes Hannah, a great desire for a child, prays to God, gives a promise that she will give the child back to God. Then her great delight, she has this child. Now we come to the dedication of this child. Look at verse Uh, 20, let's just start at verse uh, 21. 
It says, And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up. For she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord for this child. I prayed and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also... I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord. And he, Samuel, worshiped the Lord there. And so she dedicates. I think there's three things when you see that. She presents him to the Lord. And I don't pretend to understand what goes on in the heart of a mother. Uh, Those tender moments uh, when a little infant cries out, and the mother's ear is so in tuned with that little baby. Maybe that little infant just begins to move at night, and the mother wakes up immediately, and she goes and picks him up. And the love that that mother has at night as she feeds the child, as she talks to the child, as she coos with the child, there is a tenderness that a mother has with a child. And I don't fully understand that. I know when my kids got to be in sixth grade, I was ready for them to leave. But a tenderness of a mom. And so I couldn't imagine what Hannah is going through. But why would Hannah do this? Why would Hannah present the child to the Lord? Because she understood that the greatest gift that she could give to God was her child. And she understood that the greatest gift she can give her child is God. And so she gives him to the Lord. What does this look like today? I think for most of us, it probably looks like what we did with all of our children when they were born. We simply bowed our heads and said, Lord, thank you for this child. They are a gift from you. Lord, we give them back to you for your glory and for your service and whatever you want to do with them. And through the years, we had to remind ourselves of that commitment. When we were in Zambia, I remember the time when malaria had struck the family and One of our children, not even, I think, a little over one, uh, had malaria for almost six weeks, was getting weaker and weaker and weaker, and we thought that he was going to die. None of the medicines were working. None of the uh, shots seemed to be working. I remember that night as Janelle and I went around him and 
Uh, he was laying on our floor, on a blanket on our floor, um, pale. And I remember as we held hands and got down and we just rededicated him to the Lord. Lord, this is your child. We give him back to you, but if you give him back to us, we promise you we will do our best to raise him for your glory. Some of you maybe have come uh, to the church here. And as pastor usually does, he'll go out and uh, he'll say, so-and-so stand up and you'll stand up with this little this little joy in your hands, and he'll come and grab, and everyone's going, please don't drop him, please don't drop him. Grabs the baby, comes up here, holds the baby, talks to the baby, and then there is a prayer of dedication, and then the responsibility of the church to help uh, you as you uh, teach that children or that child. And so here's what she's doing. She presents him to the Lord. Then when you get to chapter 2, we're not going to look at this. Not only does she present him to the Lord in this dedication, she prays. Now, what's interesting about this prayer is the prayer isn't so much about Samuel, and it really isn't even about her. The prayer is about the greatness of God who controls all things. Uh, the greatness of God who eventually is going to set up his king. It is this God that she is giving Samuel to. So in one sense, it is a joyful prayer, but in another sense, it is a prayer of confidence to God that he will be able to take care of her child. And I think this is a good pattern for us. Uh, who, when we dedicate our child, who are we giving our children to? It was interesting when my mom had gotten really sick and we had to uh, put her in a nursing home, uh, quite young, 59. I was uh, cleaning out the house she lived in. I had to fly back from Africa uh, for three weeks. My family was still in Africa. And I found one of my old baby picture books. You know how much fun those are uh, to look through. I found one of these old baby picture books, and I was just kind of flipping through it. And there I found a letter that my mom uh, had written back when I was just a baby. Uh, the letter was, God, thank you for Lee J. That was my name. And she said, I give him back to you. Please use him as ever you see fit. Now, I think my mom regretted that when I told her we were going to Africa. I think she probably would have said, please see use him, see fit to use him however you want as long as it's near me. Um, but instead it was in Africa. But who is she giving? Who are you giving your child to? Uh, so many times we think that we can do a better job. But here in this prayer, this prayer of confidence, God is in control. He is absolute. He holds the destiny in the palm of his hand. There is no better one that you can dedicate your child to. And so she gives Samuel to the Lord. And then look at chapter 2. Just look at verse 11. She then prepares him for God's ministry. 
You find in chapter 1, she lends him to the Lord. She does this prayer. Now look at verse 11. And Elkanah went to Ramah in the house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. And so how does Hannah do this? She gives the boy to serve in the house of Shiloh, Shiloh to Eli. She brings him, maybe as a four-year-old, a five-year-old, brings him to Eli and says, this is the boy that I had dedicated. Here he is. Now, some of you at times may be tempted uh, to do that with your child. You come to our office with little Johnny. Little Johnny has marker all over his face. You can tell that little Johnny has cut his own hair. Um, little Johnny has a mischievous grin on his face. And as a mother, you come in holding his hand and you say, I would like to give little Johnny to the church as a gift to the Lord. <laughs> uh, please don't do that. Uh, it would probably end up Sarah, um, the manager, the office manager, taking care of him, and she's busy enough. But this is what, this is what Hannah is doing. She comes and she pre- presents him to Eli to prepare him as a Nazarite. And what was that preparation? That he may learn to listen to God and glorify him in all he does. It's interesting, as you follow the storyline, there is a wordplay that goes through from chapter uh, 2 all the way, uh, really, to chapter, I believe, chapter uh, 11 or 12, and it's the word glory, which means to give weight to. Samuel learned to give weight or to give glory to God. In contrast to what Eli and his boys are doing, So there's a marked difference as this one, this Hannah, dedicates her child to the Lord and her child learns to glorify God. Let me close with this. How do we do this today? How do we prepare our children to glorify God, to learn to listen to Him? Let me just give you four words or four phrases that start with W. You can find these in the book of Judges. First of all, the Word of God. I think as you are raising your children, learn to spend time reading and discussing God's Word. We used to do this at supper time. Every night after supper, we would go ahead and we'd open our Bible. I'll admit, I was probably a little bit aggressive uh, when you're doing a 45-minute Bible study with three, four, five-year-olds, uh, probably not the wisest, but it did teach our kids uh, to learn how to sit. But spend five minutes. Read a passage. Say to little Johnny, hey, what did you see in that passage? Let me read it again. Let's talk about this. Learn to teach them the Word of God. If it's important to you, if it's important to your family, spending time reading God's Word, you will teach your children that it's important to them. And so the words of God. Secondly, the works of God. 
Uh, spend time every day praying as a family. And then declare, what is God doing in that? A um, number of years ago, one of the teachers came here, and uh, she was a third grade teacher, Mrs. Brewer. Miss Brewer came and she said, um, we've been going through the life of George Mueller. And of course, you know George Mueller, as he was praying, saw God just answer many prayers. And, and she threw out this question, has any of you ever seen God, God work that way? One of my girls, who was in the class at the time, raised her hand and began to tell the story of how we were in Africa. A lady in our church had just gotten robbed, and so we took what little we had, we gave it to her, and so we had no food. Um, you have to prepay for your electricity. We had uh, electricity was going out. We had no food. We had no electricity. And so we had enough flour to make a little bit of bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And I called all of our children around, and I, with joy, really, I said, we were able to help someone out. Let's just pray, and let's see what God will do. And so we bowed our heads. Each of the children prayed. Within about 20 minutes to a half hour, a knock came at our door. There was a lady standing there with a box of food. Uh, she had never done this before. Uh, she had never done it since. But she says, as I was leaving work, she worked for... Um, some kind of a company that manufactured, or didn't manufacture, but uh, distributed food. And she said, as I was leaving, I thought about you, and so I grabbed you some food. And so there was a bunch of food in there. And then she gave a little envelope with 100 rand, uh, which at that time was roughly uh, $3, which was just enough to get a little bit of electricity. Now, I can talk about how God provides. And I can give you the scriptures of how God provides. But what sticks in your children's mind? We saw God provide. And so that little girl, a year after all of this has happened, said, yes, I saw God do that. Let me tell you the story. Show the works of God in your home. How is God working in your life? Many times that work is the sanctifying work where I have to tell my children, I know dad's not perfect, although they think I'm perfect, I know that. <laughs> Mom and dad are not perfect, but here's what God is doing. So show the works of God. Uh, thirdly, show the wonders of God. Spend time as a family exalting him and praising his name. Of course, what is the greatest wonder that God has given? He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, because He so loved the world to die on a cruel cross to save those who by faith come to Him. Now, many times our children have gotten saved because of our devotions working through these, these things. So spend time exalting God. And then lastly, teach your children the wars of God. When you read Judges, that second generation did not know the word of God. They did not know the works of God. They did not know the wonders of God. So what did God have to give them? Wars. So that they would learn who he is. Now, moms, dads, sometimes we want to protect our kids so much 
that we'll go to battle for them, we'll fight for them. But learn to teach them how to go to God themselves. Uh, this starts at a young age. Uh, as young as maybe one or two when little a teddy bear is lost or a little puppy is lost. And they're frantic, crying, where's Teddy, where's whatever the name is. And what can you do? Say, well, I don't know, but let's pray. Let's ask God to help us find him. And then let's leave it. We'll go look, but if we don't, let's leave it. And then all of a sudden, here's little puppy tucked in the corner of his bed, fell down. He finds little puppy, and what is he doing? I found puppy. And what do you do? Praise the Lord. Didn't we pray about that? And you begin to teach them at a young age to take every difficulty to God. And so mothers, you have a great influence. It's interesting as you read the stories, God is not looking for perfect mothers. Uh, There is no such thing. We all make mistakes. But he's looking for a mother who will simply follow the Lord, dedicate the children and do the best that she can, giving that child into the Lord's hand. And what could God do? As the stories of Wesley, the stories of Whitfield, maybe your stories, of that little child coming to the Lord Jesus and God using that child, teaching that child, drawing that child to themselves for his glory and service. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for each mother that is here. Father, thank you for the influence and the examples. Father, thank you for the story of Hannah. When you are getting ready to prepare a leader, you used a lady who just simply had a desire and with that desire dedicated her child to you. Thank you, Father, that you did the same thing. You had a desire that all men might come to you and be saved. And so you dedicated your child so that all could come to know you. Thank you for your son. If there be one here this morning who has never put their trust in the son, Father, I pray that even now their hearts would be open and they would turn to you. Once again, thank you for each mother. I pray, Lord, that they would have a blessed day rejoicing in you. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.